Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, it's a joy once again to be here tonight and to bring God's word to us. Special welcome to the participants of the MDT. Um, it's good to have you guys joining us tonight. Uh, we sent out Tolamo um, to go scout you guys out, and it sounds like you guys are good. Sounds like you guys are good peeps. Um, no jokes. Uh, Tolamo seemed to really enjoy himself. He brought great testimony. Uh, so if you want to know what happens there, you can ask one of our interns, Tolamo, or even ask them about the program there. But tonight we will consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 116. So if you have your Bibles, won't you turn with me to Psalm 116 as we consider the theme, I will praise you even when. I will praise you even when. So again, that psalm is Psalm 116, Psalm 106. And it reads, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of shield laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O oh Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maid servant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Father, as we gather together tonight to listen to your word. God, I pray for two things. The first one, I pray for those receiving your word. God, I pray that your spirit may be at work, softening hearts, preparing the soil for the seed to germinate into fruit. Lord, I pray, Father, for the many distractions that may arise now, be it me, be it a, a thought that, that just crosses the mind, be it a burden on shoulders, be it the person sitting next to them, be it even this cold, chilly night. God, I pray that you'd remove all distractions. 
Lord, help us to hear what you have prepared for us in your word. And I do pray that you'd speak to us tonight through your word and by your spirit. Lord, secondly, I pray for me. God, I pray that I would speak clearly. I will speak as one who's been sent by you, Lord. I pray that you'd protect me from myself, protect me from my sinful heart, protect me, Lord, even from the evil one as I speak. God, may I speak, Lord, only the words that you have prepared in my heart. And God, if I say anything that's amiss, Lord, I pray that you'd prevent me from saying it or even thinking of it at this moment. And help me, Lord, in all that I say to bring honor and glory to your name. Lastly, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together. May this be a sweet time of fellowship, sitting under your word, for your word is alive. And we are grateful that we can fellowship like this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, as I've said, we will consider the topic, I will praise you even when. But the first thing I would like us to consider this evening is, I love the Lord. We see this in verse 1, the psalmist's first words are worth meditating on tonight for he starts this psalm by just simply stating, I love the Lord. We know that the psalmist here is King David and we've heard it said of King David that King David was a man after God's own heart. In this psalm we'll see from evidence that that the king's heart, his affections were pointed towards God and God alone. For the psalmist saw God as his only source of joy. The psalmist saw God as his only source of rest. The psalmist saw God as his rock. And he starts the psalm by saying, I love the Lord. However, when we gather here this evening, we all can confess together. We all can confess together that our hearts are always wandering after fruitless pleasures. As they are harassed by the cares of this world, Our hearts, as we know from the psalm, are always prone to wonder. Our hearts are only brought back when God knits them to himself. Our affections are only drawn together only when God works. So tonight, I do want to pose the question, even this far in the sermon, do you love the Lord? Paul would warn Timothy in his second letter in chapter 3, he says, verse 1, but understand this. That in the last days there will come difficult, there will come times of difficulty. Verse 2, for there will be lovers of self. There will be lovers of money. There will be those who are proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. There will be those who are ungrateful, unholy. They are heartless. They are unappeasable. They are slanderous. They are those who are without self-control, brutal, not loving good. There will be those who are treacherous, who are reckless, who are swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And Paul would want Timothy saying, avoid such people. So it seems to me with the words of Timothy that the first line of this psalm is not as common as we would think. There aren't a lot of people running around in our world today who can genuinely say from their heart that they love God. What we know from Scripture is that God has shown His mercy to all of creation. Even those who mock Him, those who reject Him, those who live in constant rebellion against Him, the unrighteous, still receive the common grace of God. This is the undeserved providential act of God's restraint. He should be wiping them out, but He holds Himself back. They receive His goodness. They receive His mercy. 
towards the inhabitants of this fallen world. And even after receiving this mercy, even after receiving this grace from God, we, we know that these same sinful men still do not love God. They are still lovers of themselves. They are still idolaters. Is this true of you? After all that God has given you, is it true of you that you are still a lover of yourself and a lover of something else other than God? This is not true of the psalmist. The intentional, the intimate care of God for him brought him to God. It brought him to praise God. It brought him to love God as he writes the psalm. So for the third time in the beginning of this sermon, I must ask again, church, do you love God? You see, we live in an, in an interesting world where every year we know there's a hit list of people that we are cutting off. You, you either block that person on social media, on WhatsApp, on, your, on just normal calls, but we're also cutting off people from our friendship groups. There are people who are being cut off from families. And interesting enough, we also see people being cut off by other Christians. Now, I must say, there are many reasons why people are cut off. Some of these reasons are because those people are not as loving as they used to be. The people we are cutting off, they are rude or ungrateful. They are hurtful and dangerous. Man, these people couldn't hurt. They couldn't help me when I needed them the most. They don't agree with me, they don't meet my expectations, or they're just downright boring, so I am cutting them off. So as you'll note, some of these reasons are justifiable. Some of these reasons are unjustifiable reasons, but I had these in my mind as I was reading Psalm 116, and I asked myself of the psalmist, Psalmist King David, why haven't you written God off? Why haven't you cut God off? I mean, God allowed death to be a close companion to David. Note in verse 3, he says, The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. Verse 8, he says, For you have delivered my soul from death. Verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God had allowed distress. God had allowed anguish. He allowed humiliation. He allowed the bonds of affliction to inflict the psalmist. And still the psalmist is able to say, I love the Lord. What we can say of the psalmist is that his love for God was genuine. His faith for God was seen to be genuine. Notice again in verse 10 where he says, I believed even when, notice that even, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. In my current state of despair, in my current state of hardship, I love the Lord. I believe in Him for my salvation, for He is my rock and He alone is my rest. So what are you going through tonight? Has your present day affliction caused you to hate God? Has it caused you to doubt his goodness over you? Has your affliction brought about the doubt in your mind? Does God really love me? Does God even care? My prayer tonight is by the end of this sermon that we will see that God indeed is good. 
My prayer is that God would reveal to you that He is a God that cares for the affairs of your soul and the affairs of your life. He is a God who loves you. He is a God that has given you enough grace to endure. But we will get there. For now, notice the psalmist's reasons for loving God. Firstly, he says in verse 1 and 2, He loved God because He heard my prayers. He says in verse 1, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Spurgeon wrote these words. He said, when love can justify itself, with the reason it is deep, it is strong, it is a binding. They say that love is blind. But when we love God, our affection has its eyes open and can sustain itself with the most rigid logic. We have reason, super abundant reason for loving the Lord. The psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears me. He can enter into his throne room of grace. He can plea for mercy with confidence that God is going to give attention to his plea, give attention to his voice. Which voice? The voice of a finite, imperfect, sinful soul whose lips are like those as Isaiah said, are unclean and yet with all of these, God still heard him. Not only does God hear me, but he inclines his ear to me. Therefore, I can call on him as long as I live. Have you ever noticed when a child is crying and you notice the parent almost goes down and goes on the knee to listen to the cries of the child? Or when a parent is about to uh, rebuke or correct their child, they go down and they almost go to eye level and speak to the child? The idea is, as the, as the parent sees the child in distress, they bow their ear to listen attentively to the cry of their child so they can give comfort and mend their problems. Friends, it is tr- this is true of God as well. He bows his ear to our cry so that he can effectively care for us in our time of need. What David is saying here is that, man, though I seem to be the most forsaken of God, that was truly the proper time and the right season for me to give myself to prayer. With that said, how's your prayer life? Does your prayer life reflect your your faith in God's ability to hear you? Does your prayer life reflect your faith or in God's ability to answer your prayers? Or does it reflect doubt and disbelief in the ear and in the care of God? Praise God for community. Praise God that when we gather together as a local church, we can be encouraged by people who are worshiping God even when there is no evidence that God has heard their cries for mercy. And we've seen that some of the purest acts of devotion on earth are those that come from the depths of darkness and sorrow. These folks are simply encouraged by God's goodness in the past. That he heard their answer, that he heard their prayers in the past, he answered their prayers, and therefore they will continue to call on the Lord as long as they live, for they've seen the hand of God over their lives. 
So church, likewise, I want to encourage us this evening. Let us be waiting. Let us be waiting. Wait on the Lord. And as you wait, let us be praying. Be praying, be crying, be pleading before God, for he hears you. His ear is attentive to your cry. He will answer you, for he is our rock and our salvation. He not only hears us, but he sees us. The second reason the psalmist gives for loving God is because God witnessed him in his distress. Verse 3 to 6, the psalmist says, The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Spurgeon would say that we know of no more intense sorrows pertaining to this world than those which are associated with the dying struggle. And because of this, we all dread the experience, the sorrows of the bodily pain in death, the sorrows of the fear that comes on us for sins that we might have left unconfessed, the uncertainty of what is going to happen when I close my eyes and die. These thoughts bring anguish and they bring suffering to the anguished person. So this is what David was going through. He was literally bound in chains. The possibility of escaping was slowly fading away. His hopes of going home and seeing his family, those two were dwindling. And it was at this point that the truth of God's listening ears encouraged him. For he says, and he responds, calling on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. When he was in his deepest moment of affliction, David remembers, I can cry out to God. He remembers in verse 5 and 6, notice he says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. David could say this because he had what the Greek word is epignosis. Epignosis is basically that experiential, intimate knowledge of God where, which allowed him to endure and persevere. It is that experiential, intimate knowledge we get when we are firstly saved and when we spend time with God and see him completely work in our lives. Calvin notes, the conclusion is that when those who are liable to suffering have neither the prudence nor the means of effecting their deliverance, God shows his wisdom towards them and interposes the secret protection of his providence between them and all the dangers by which their safety may be assailed. Friends, God did not just witness David's suffering. He was not just looking from afar, but he was right there with him. He empowered him by his spirit to persevere. He encouraged him by his word. He rescued him. Church, our God is righteous. So he cannot, he cannot allow for purposeless evil. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. He keeps his word. Therefore, church, believe him. Call on him in your time of distress and know that, praise God, he will hear you. And this leads me to my next point. Worship drawn from rest in God. 
worship drawn from rest in God. Verse 7 says, Return, return all my soul to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Sometimes the scriptures say everything that I want them to say in a point. But I'll still explain a little more tonight. The word for rest here is put in the plural as indicating complete and entire rest at all times and under all circumstances. Church, our God is indeed the good, good Father who is perfect in all of his ways. Rest in him when things are hard. Rest in him when things are great. Rest in him for he deals bountifully with his children. We know that he will on that day wipe away every tear. And we long for that. We pray for that. But till then, we can be encouraged as we read the words of David in Psalm 56 verse 8. David says of God, you have kept count of my tossings. You know those evenings where you just can't sleep, your heart is heavy, your head is heavy, you're just tossing and turning. God has kept count of that. He put your tears in his bottle. Do you get that? No tear has dropped from your eyes that have gone unnoticed by God. Are they not in your book, the psalmist asked. If you've missed it by now, church, God cares. God cares for those who are his. And in response to God's salvation, David commits to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He commits to believe even when he is greatly afflicted. But he also reflected on the words that he said when he was within the storm. When he was in the bunker of affliction, David said, all mankind are liars. Although there is truth in the words of the psalmist, he says that he has said them in haste. Our ESV translation says, in his alarm, he said, all men are liars. What this basically means is whilst he was in his affliction, whilst all things were happening, whilst it felt like his world was crushing down, he spoke in haste and he just said, man, all men are liars, all of them. And when I, when I wrote this down, I remember the words of a preacher who said, speaking in haste generally is followed by bitter repentance. We often say things we don't mean when we feel like our world is crushing in. Another commentator says, David remembered those circumstances of distress when no one came to his aid, when no one sympathized with him. There was no one to whom he could relieve himself. No one seemed to feel any interest in him. There were relatives on whom he might have supposed that he could rely there may have been those to whom he had shown kindness in similar circumstances. There may have been old friends whose sympathy he might have had reason to expect. But all failed. Church, we all can relate to this. When people we expect to show up, our friends, our families, our partners, 
when they don't sympathize with us in our moments of affliction, it feels as though everything and everyone in the world cannot be trusted. We feel as though we need to cut everyone off, trust in ourselves, do things by ourselves. We feel as though the whole world is a lie and therefore we respond like the psalmist and just say, man, all mankind are liars. But church, this is not entirely true. We need community. We need people more than we are willing to often confess. People fail us. We heard this morning, uh, we were called a bunch of uh, porcupines, prickly porcupines. People fail us. They, They will hurt us. And that's why God must first be our rock. That's why God must be our place for rest. But church, God often uses people to keep us standing. God often uses people to uplift us. He often uses people to rebuke us in our affliction because we often believe a lie. In our affliction, we're at the point of vulnerability. Our lies, our hearts lie to us. The devil lies to us. We believe a lie in despair and God sends people to point us back to Jesus and his cross. So I want to encourage you tonight. Be a part of this body that is willing to be cared for. You got that? Be a part of this body that is willing to receive care, but also be a part of the body that gives care. Oftentimes in sermons, we are encouraged to care for others, to care for others, to care for others. But we can all testify that not a lot of people are easy to care for. And not because they are just hard people or their personalities, but they just don't want to receive care. So the challenge tonight is be willing to be cared for. That's why God placed you within community. Verse 12, he says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I want you to imagine with me for a second What's that one thing that you really, 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 really want, but you can't afford? You can't afford or you feel like you just can't get it. There's, there's just something hindering you from, get it, from getting it. Let me give you a few examples. Maybe it's that house. Maybe there's a family in this room that is looking for a house and you've been praying and praying and praying and hoping for the best. Or maybe it's a car. Maybe you're praying for a car. Maybe it's a phone, iPhone 13, Lord, please. Or maybe it's jewelry. Maybe there's a specific watch or a specific chain that you want. Or maybe it's clothes. It's, it's winter and you've seen a specific quote that you feel like, yo, if I got that drip, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for winter. Or maybe it's a career. God, help me become this person. Or maybe it's a degree. Or ladies, maybe it's a husband. Gents, maybe it's the wife that you've always dreamed of. Imagine these things that you've been longing for and someone just comes and he makes it happen. Either they put you in a blind date with the woman or the guy of your dreams and it works out and you get married. Or someone comes and gives you the keys to to the car of your dreams. Someone comes and says, they're relocating to England, you can have my house, the house of your dreams. And in that house is the jewelry that you've dreamed of and the clothes, the winter drip that you are longing for in this season. They give it to you, and guess what? No strings attached. What do you do? How do you say thank you? 
Can you imagine yourself in that moment, lost for words, wondering, there must be a trick. This can't be true. We often would feel like there's no words that could adequately express my gratitude to this person. You immediately feel the sense of, I can't thank you enough. This is exactly what David is feeling. Thinking about the goodness of God in his life, he's just feeling the sense of, how can I say thank you to you? If you think about it, everything that we have, everyone that we've met, our very being is because of God. And the psalmist, thinking of this, he then concludes and he says, how can I ever repair you? Because in all honesty, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I dream of can only be given to me by you. I love the answer that he gives. And as Christians, I feel like this is a good reminder. Church, God is not demanding us to return what he knows we are unable to give. He is satisfied with the bare and simple acknowledgement which leads to obedience that he is God and all that I have is from his hands. The psalmist says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord for this is truly all I can do. And the Lord says, that is truly all that I want. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The sacrifice of praise shall glorify me. Church, God calls us to offer in sacrifice not only our tongues but ourselves and all that we possess. Not because God receives any profit from it, but because it is reasonable that our gratitude should manifest itself in this way. This is what David meant when he said, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So how are you doing in living a life of surrender? How are you doing in your gratitude? When was the last time you just stopped and just said, man, God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for everything that I have. Thank you for everything that I don't have that you feel I don't need. Thank you, God, for meeting my every need. Thank you, God, that I'm alive. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. How are you doing in praising God for his daily mercies? Praising him for all that you have and all that he does for you. Let the people of God worship God with their lips. Let the people of God worship him with their lives. But listen to this, not just in your closet, but also when we gather together. Let them worship God some more in the presence of his people, for this is reasonable worship. David specifically says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So when we gather together, let's give praise to God. Let's give thanks to God. Share testimonies one to another, encouraging each other for all that God has done. Till the day he calls you home, be faithfully living a life of sacrifice. Till the day when he welcomes you into his arms, pure and without blemish. Till the day when he will embrace us for enduring till the end. Till the day where he and the angels celebrate our homecoming. For we have been spared from the schemes of the evil one and this present age. Till that day serve the Lord. But I want you to know that even the day that you die is a glorious day to God. Notice the psalmist says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
I couldn't put it as better than this commentator said, for he said, the death of his saints is precious in his sight. Each believer's death is not overlooked, and God is so concerned about it that he puts great value on the passing of everyone who trusts in him. In other words, he is attentive to his people and does not allow them to die at the wrong time. We go to our deaths when he has determined it is fitting. If it is true for our deaths, how could it be any different for the suffering that does not lead to death? Then even then we can trust the Lord in our pain because we know that he has purpose for it. So as I close, closing with verse 16 to 19. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bounds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in, the midst, oh, in your midst, O oh Jerusalem, praise the Lord. He ends the psalm with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, I am your servant. I am redeemed by you. I belong to you. So as I close, how have you responded to the mercy and to the grace of God? You cannot say you love the Lord if you are not one of his. He cannot be your rock and your rest if you haven't placed your trust in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus tonight? If you are a believer, then God is your salvation. He has saved you. He is saving you. You are a people that belongs to him. And we're going to be reminded this week, this coming week, of that weekend when the Son of God hung on the cross bearing our sin, bearing our sins, forsaken by the Father, breathing his last. He was betrayed and denied by friends. He was spat on and beaten by those who were religious. And he died as a curse for us. But he is alive. We will be reminded that he is alive, he is risen, and he is coming again. He tore the curtain in two, opening the way to God through his obedience and sacrifice on the cross. He ascended and is seated on the right hand of God, ruling and reigning, waiting for the Father's signal to return. But again, till then, what do we do? We have his spirit. We have his spirit who brings us to life. We have his spirit who reminds us of Calvary every day, who comforts us, who rebukes us and corrects us, <coughs> excuse me, and guides us through the scriptures. We have his spirit who gives us hope in troubled times that we too can say, I love the Lord, even in the midst of affliction. David once more repeats what he said about gratitude. It says we must display our devotion not only by secret affection before God, but also by an open profession in the sight of men. Therefore, the psalm ends with hallelujah, both as a declaration of personal praise and a call for God's people to join with proclamation. So I'm going to ask us together to shout hallelujah in the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. I was actually just checking if you were listening. <laughs> but 
But that's how the psalmist ends the psalm. And with that, I call you tonight. Join us in singing God's praise in the storm. Join us in lifting up his praise for all that he has done. Join us in remembering his character, remembering his words, remembering his works, and shout a hallelujah for God is our God and he is good. Let's pray. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Oh God, thank you so much. God, you hear our prayers. God, your ear is bowed down toward the cries of your people. God, thank you that, God, you see us in our moment of distress. You see us, God, when we are burdened with affliction. Praise God that we can cry to you with the assurance that you hear our prayers and that you answer them. Oh, thank you, God, that we can trust in you as our rock, our fortress, our salvation. Thank you, God, that you saved us. Thank you, God, that you are saving us. And thank you, God, that on that day we will finally be saved. We will rejoice with you forever. Praise God that we can also be assured that God, as believers, we are excited to see that day. But God, we know that you are excited for that day too. But God, till then, help us to endure. Help us to persevere the hardships of this day. God, I pray for those in this room, Lord, who are just feeling overwhelmed by whatever hardship or affliction is burdening their soul tonight. God, we are all a people from different walks of life, and God, sometimes we, we can put on a good face that we are well, but deep down, Lord, we are broken and we are in need. Thank you, God, that you do not ignore those silent cries as well. God, you know our needs even before we pray them to you, but Tonight, I want to lift up everyone in this room before you. I want to lift up everyone who's also watching on the stream, Lord. Anyone who's going to be listening to this message, God, with just heaviness in their heart. Oh, Lord, won't you give them rest? Give them rest in firstly a faith in you and give them rest in a trusting in your character. God, you are merciful, you are gracious, and you are righteous. Because you're righteous, God, we can trust you every word. Because you're righteous, God, we can trust it. What you are working in our lives, you will not sin against us. So help us to grow in trusting in you and help us to grow in praying to you. For God, you are good. And Lord, your mercy endures forever. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.